Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The How's Your Father podcast with Johnny Cochran. And now, here's Johnny. Hello and welcome to another episode of the How's Your Father podcast. You will know by now that, first of all, my name's Johnny Cochran and I set up this podcast as a kind of effort to explore all things fatherhood. There are loads of different aspects that we've touched on in previous episodes, from adoption to IVF um, to co-parenting. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting, actually, because I always love to get really interesting guests, and today is no different. And I think we've also got a guest that will touch on another aspect of fatherhood, uh, which is a really interesting one as well, which is being a stepdad. Uh, so today's guest is none other than actor, writer and stand-up comedian and a gaming streamer as well, Mr. Jeff Leach. Hello, mate. How are you? Oh, thanks for the one clap. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I have Nothing said... more lonely than just uh, the host clapping on their own for a guest. I said to previous guests as well, that's as good as we can make it, Jeff. It's just one yeah. man clapping, you know. It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. Skip, I'd skip the clap if I were you. I'd just go, welcome, and that's it. Just leave it there. <laughs> Just... I, it's now my favourite part. I love the one clap. So I'm. Well, that's because you're you're a dad now, aren't you? So this is this is supportive father hand clapping. Just like, oh yeah, I'll clap if no one else will. Yeah, well done. It, exactly. It's all about clapping. Just motivation. And to be honest, if I had one man clapping a little bit more for me in my life, I'd feel a bit more encouraged as well. I, I need that oh. person clapping. So well, Johnny Cochran, great to see ya. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm ready to achieve, ready to achieve. Um, now, uh, Jeff, thank you very much for joining us. Now, this is a really interesting, uh, it's an interesting dynamic of having you on as a guest because this is the first... Because I'm not even a father. Well, <laughs> no, I wasn't going to do, I wasn't going to do that. I was actually going <laughs> to say that this is the first... Uh, transatlantic interview that we have on the oh. podcast because um, you're not actually in the UK, are you, Jeff? No, I moved out to the States about five years ago to pursue my stand-up comedy out here um, and my TV and film acting. And, uh, yeah, I've been in, I'm, I'm now based in Los Angeles. So I spent a couple of years in New York City uh, at my home club, the Comedy Cellar, which I'm sure... If anyone's a fan of American stand-up comedy, they'll probably know it as the home of, you know, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and Amy Schumer and Louis C.K. pre-pulling his penis out in front of everyone. And, um, yeah, and that's that was my home club. So I was there for two years, and then I moved to Los Angeles three years ago, and now I'm enjoying a glorious 
career which has been halted by a really bad cough yeah, yeah wow i mean i'm sim I'm, I'm simplifying oversimplifying perhaps the entire covid19 pandemic but you know i saw the pubs in england opening up again and now you people are like uh, you people look at me look at how i talk as if i don't remember my own cultural heritage at least one half of it you know you people over there in britain outside your pubs you're living you're living in la i'm sure you've just eaten some pulses and some hummus and some smashed oh, avocado, yeah, right? avocado avocado on toast and i just been for a run and my trainer cody has just uh, made me do some core <laughs> exercises it's very it's moving stuff that's fantastic now um you're a dad johnny i'm a dad i am a dad i'm a dad to a nine month old son he's a beautiful little boy and he congratulations are you sleeping yet or are you are you being kept awake um, I, I don't think I even know what sleep is anymore, to be fair. And I, you know, that isn't the old phrase, sleeping's cheating. Um, that's certainly um, one that's quite familiar on this podcast, I think. Sleeping right. is cheating. Waste of time, that. Um, but you... It's just crazy you, to me because I haven't seen you for all those five years, nor have I really talked to many of the British comedy contingent. And now so many of them are, are dads, like yourself. Rob Beckett, you know, it's just that Romesh was already a father. He was the only one who was actually a dad back when I was in the UK. So it's interesting watching all of you young men who I'm used to seeing running around Edinburgh Fringe Festival, putting your body weight in lager away every single <laughs> night, chatting to the ladies who are coming up to you after shows and telling you how hilarious and wonderful you are. And now I'm seeing you all struggling with uh, night nursing and, you know, latching on and diaper changing. That's incredible. Nappy changing. Sorry, English. Nappy. nappy <laughs> well, to be fair, at some point it was like, yeah, going to have to get, get on with this, haven't we? Because eh? otherwise, yeah. you know. Or I mean? you have to improve your pullout game. One of the two. And um, <laughs> clearly you opted for the form rather than the latter <laughs> uh yeah in the end and so because i did we have this podcast here which is <laughs> <laughs> which brings us on to the subject matter now you um jeff have um certainly found yourself in a situation as we as i mentioned at the start we like to explore all aspects of fatherhood now you've um experienced not per, per se being a father directly, but you've been a stepdad. Can you explain the situation? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I certainly consider that being a father directly. I mean, I, I, I saw you posting about this this wonderful podcast and I listened to um listened to uh, part of an episode and thought, oh, this is great. Johnny's doing an amazing thing here. And I think it's a wonderful way to teach through comedy, which is always the best way to digest information. Um, and I realised that, you know, one aspect that is often overlooked is the the, the prospect of becoming a father to someone else's child, you know, whether that be for a short period of time or like me, it was for about four to four and a half years um, or whether it's, you know, long term and it's for the rest of your life that you're going to be a, a new father to the, the child in, in your life um, through your partner or their ex relationship. So, yeah, it's quite a unique perspective, I think, and one that I probably have quite a bit to say on because I found it quite a life changing for the positive, a life-changing experience, but also one fraught with perils of fears of doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing. And, and also, um, rather sadly, if that relationship does end, like mine did um, with myself and my ex-partner, the overcoming of um, missing a child that biologically does not belong to you in any way, shape or form. And if your ex-partner chooses to to sever that relationship and doesn't want you to be involved in that child's life. You really have no no leg to stand upon in terms of continuing to have a relationship with a child. That's quite a hard thing to 
marry as well into in terms of your own mind you know definitely definitely and uh as i kind of prefaced the question as well with you know not being a father directly that was in no way trying to undermine the relationship and the bond dare you Uh, you know how much of a hero i am for taking on someone else's child johnny i have to clear up my admin get my cards in order over here but um (laughs) now no um so let's let's go back to the start then in terms of um you've spoken about it was a um past or previous relationship of yours so before you got into that relationship were you aware that the um your uh, soon to be partner w- was with a child they had a they had a kid already and talk to me through your kind of way of thinking at that point and the thoughts going through your mind as a single man about to enter a relationship with someone who had already got a child and and how you thought that you were going to adapt to that situation absolutely i think i think um you know the most uh useful and positive way to talk about that that might be of interest to your listeners is a lot of people will throw out the 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 question uh, especially once they're even if they're biologically expecting their own child as opposed to becoming a step parent to someone else's um they will say am am i ready for this that's the question that i seem to hear amongst new parents or soon-to-be parents all the time i don't know if we're ready i don't know if we're ready for parenthood i'm not sure if we're ready to have a child i'm not sure if we're ready to do this and i and i often the response from a lot of people is is you know no one's ever ready you you become ready once it happens you have to become ready that's that's kind of the the moment for me, and I think for a lot of people who choose to enter into a relationship with someone who already has a child from a previous relationship and to accept that they will have a role as a step-parent in that relationship, um, it's almost like it's more of a, more of a personal choice um, than, than parents who are, you know, potentially in a relationship, loving relationship and think they might want to have a child one day. Um, because I really can look at the whole package already there. I see the child. I know what the child is like. And and yes, I was very aware that um, the lady that I was I had started today or I started to spend time with and had an interest in um, had a child and had a previous relationship. Um, you knew me, Johnny, back then, and probably knew me as the you know the still drinking and partying kind of rock and roll, at least in aesthetic, um, comedian on the on the circuit. And I think for me, the prospect of entering into a relationship with someone with a child was the, it was almost a a catalyst for a period of growth and maturity that I don't know if I would have necessarily embraced had I not got into that relationship. I knew that my personal life, my bachelor's lifestyle, my um, rather um, promiscuous and, and, you know, party-fueled existence was incredibly unfulfilling. And one thing that I already knew that I wanted would be a, a loving and happy relationship with a, with the family, with the child. Um, and when that was already presented to me as, a, as an option, it seemed like a very quick and easy way to turn my back on my old life because I suddenly had new responsibilities. That's what seems to come mm. out of it. I think the, the measure of a, a good man is how he steps up to the plate when he has a child. And whether that child is biologically his or not is almost... Um, beside the point, or it certainly was for me, you know. Um, mm. But it's very scary because there's a whole different dynamic that you have to work with once you go into a relationship with someone who has a child from a previous relationship. And the biggest part of that, for the most, uh, this is in most instances, I realize in certain ones, there may no, no longer be a father in the picture. Maybe he's not around, maybe he's passed away, maybe, you know, there's a, n- a number of reasons why he might not be in there. 
But really, there's, you're, you're navigating three relationships from that moment on. You're navigating the relationship of yourself and your partner, which is always going to be slightly strained and difficult, especially when it comes to parenting, because they will always have some level of autocracy or, or um, di a dictatorial outlook on how the dynamic of parent and child will work because they are biologically the parent and you are not you're joining yeah. that team as it were you're a, you're a substitute who's been rolled in it's a really <laughs> shitty five-a-side team and everyone's <laughs> been injured and they're like fuck it bring jeff on from the bench and then you're like, the shit player now. on the bench come on give him yeah, give him like, 20 minutes i mean <laughs> i mean i'm pretty good with kids for like you know half an hour at a time but i don't know if i can live with one and raise one you know and then they go bring him in and see what he can do and i'm like all right i'm ready coach and and I sort of jumped into the role. So there, there is already that dynamic, first of all, between yourself and your partner and, and understanding the nuances of how much say you get in the parenting of a child that does not biologically belong to you. Mm. The second is the relationship between you and the previous um, parent, because it, for most instances, that parent will always be in that child's life and you have to respect, even if you don't like the ex-father or the ex-mother, you, um, I say ex, it's very unfair. If you, the, the, the biological parent, extra biological parent in the relationship, even if you don't really like who they are, you have to respect that they are that child's parent. And then the third and final dynamic, which is incredibly difficult to navigate as well, is your relationship with the child. You know, those kind of conversations that you have to have with that child to say, hey, listen, I know you have a daddy, and, you know, your dad will always be your dad and he loves you very much, even if that's not the case. Or he's a, he's a great guy and he's always going to be there for you, even if that's not the case, you know. But I'm also someone who loves you and cares about you and, and, and would, be, uh, would fulfill that role for you as well. And, and that's a very difficult conversation to have with a, <laughs> especially a two-year-old, you know, which mm. is uh, how old. Uh, well, actually, she was 13 months when we met, but... Two, once we officially got into a relationship together, my, my ex and, and myself. And that, that, so those are three very different dynamics that most parents don't have to um, experience in any way, yeah, shape, or form. Yeah, navigate. I mean, I mean you, went, you didn't have to, have to, you know, appease an ex-parent or a, another parent in the, in the dynamic. I'm sure you didn't have to, in your current relationship with your wife, although that depends how, how dominant she might be as a matriarchal figure, but I'm sure you don't have to say, hey, listen, darling, I realize that whatever you decide for our child comes first. It would be a team effort. You would discuss and you would work together, I'm assuming, correct? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Let's take it back a little touch, just in terms of, you mentioned just at the start that you had an idea that you might want to be a parent at some point. So you, you had always wanted to be a parent, but was there a way that it looked like in your mind, like how that might come about? Obviously, you've mentioned you were perhaps in a bit of party mode for a lot of your younger years. Um, but did you think, oh, I might get to a stage where this is what's going to happen. I'm going to then have a child, you know, uh, biologically and um, I'll be become a Absolutely. parent in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I always envisaged that the way that I would um, become a father first, uh, the first time I would become a father would be to my own biological child, you know, in a, in a loving relationship with, um, with someone who I'd built up that trust and that understanding with to the point where we decided, yeah, let's, let's have a baby together. So it was, it was very different to then be thrust into this uh, relationship with a woman who had a child from a previous relationship. Um, but like I say, in the same way, I think there's almost like a, there's not a complete disconnect between 
the way that a lot of couples may be having unprotected sex, for instance, because they know they're both, um, you know, they've both had their, their various STD checks. They're, they're, they're happy about their, their commitment and their, their, their yeah, intimate Everyone's consent in, from... it's very responsible, but they're choosing yeah. for that non-protected yeah. sex. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, just at that point where you go, look, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be upset by the prospect that myself and my partner could get pregnant and that would be, uh, that's not a bad thing for me, but are we rushing it? No, et cetera, et cetera. But then when the day comes that your, your, your girlfriend or your wife turn around, turns around to you and says, hey, listen, we're, you know, I'm expecting a baby. I'm, I've had a test and I'm pregnant. And, you know, that the fears that, um, that a lot of dads might experience or dads-to-be will experience once that news is dropped, I had to face a lot of those fears prior to committing as wholly as I did to the relationship that I was in. Sure. And that's sure. a very different dynamic. I think you, you get to make a lot of choices where... Uh, whereas when you're the biological parent, a lot of the choices are taken away from you and are more circumstantial experiences. Yeah, you probably woke up one day and, and your wife was like, hey, listen, you know, we made love last night. Um, I'm feeling a bit sick today or <laughs> whatever, however it works. See, that's how naive I am to how it actually biologically works. <laughs> like she throws up immediately the next morning, right? Uh, I'm feeling sick. I have, I am with child. Yeah. <laughs> we we slept together last night and now I feel very sick. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've had that me? a couple of times. Uh, oh no, you're pregnant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, so it's it's. But but I also think there's there's yeah there's um there's there's almost like more more preemptive uh, forethought has to go into accepting the role of father to be when you're uh, 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 putting yourself into a uh, dynamic and into a team into a unit that already pre-exists prior to sure. um, any kind of you know biological relationship that you have with your or intimate relationship you have with your partner and that's so, so, that's so really when, scary so when you entered into uh, that relationship and then you took on the role of uh, becoming you know that kind of step parent and uh, well, the co-parent in in your I got um, my first dad muscles this is like a really really intriguing biological aspect to becoming a father of someone else's child that I did not expect and I'm still very confused by and I'd love to know the science behind. When I became um, a stepfather to the young young girl that I became a stepfather to, I div I filled out. I used to be a beanpole and really skinny and tall and I filled out. Like My muscles thickened out and I absolutely attribute some of that to carrying a small child on my arm or on my shoulders <laughs> or in my arms every every day. But it's super weird to me that it's almost like my biological self, my body inside went, oh, you're, you're a dad now. You're in that stage. Great. Let's give you some dad muscle depth or thickness. It's so strange. And I, and I know that happens to biological fathers. And, and obviously, women's bodies go through even more of a myriad of different changes um, once they have a child or they're expecting a child. But I didn't expect that as a stepfather. I didn't think that suddenly my body would go, all right, you're ready to become a real man now instead of being this skinny bean bowl, you know, boy, effectively. That was strange. That, that is absolutely fascinating. I've never even thought about that. Like like you say, in terms of, you know, you, you would expect that the, the kind of physical labour of lifting your child quite a lot would, you know, put some kind of bulk on you. But yeah, to mm. the extent where you fill out a lot more, for mm. that to happen quite organically when you're conceiving naturally but then if you become a stepfather like you 
physiologically your body's just kicking in and going right game it's, time now That's we're mad. so it makes me realize how how young the human race is in its development really you know we're a few thousand years old and it's amazing how I think we still just have these animal instincts that kick in, you know, uh, whether it be the flight or fight when you're presented with a, a terrifying situation or a dangerous situation. It's, it's those reflexes. Have you seen those videos on YouTube of dad reflexes yeah. where it will be a montage of kids about to run into a barbecue or flying off a sled on a, on a big hill or two kids are about to smash each other or a swing is about to smash into the back of the head of a kid and the dad reflexes kick in and he just like grabs the kid by the ankle as it's about to smash its head on the floor and holds it aloft or, or you know what I mean? Those kind of moments. I genuinely believe that once you have accepted um, mentally, psychologically, that you are the role, taking on the role of father, you're, biological body um, inherently uh, amplifies certain abilities. So you need to become physically stronger. You need to, your muscles do become more dense. Your reflexes become slightly more heightened, especially around that child. You can be without mm. sleep like you've probably been for nine months. And I guarantee if your little baby was was waddling around and about to slip off the side of a table or something, you, you would phoom, straight, you'd be there. and. Yeah. That's a, a fascinating part of, I just think, um, you know, the fact that we are, we all have that monkey brain and we're basically I, just, we're, ba we're basically just upstanding, upright standing, you know, apes. That's, that's really what we are. This is like a fascinating insight into uh, the whole realm of becoming a step parent and how it's uh, a naught to 60 when it comes to some of those aspects of responsibility, feelings. So let's, let's talk on that feeling side. Like, were you a bit maybe nervous that in terms of bonding with the child that the child not being yours biologically was going to mean that there might be that barrier put up to be able to have that emotional connection with the child not just from the child thinking that obviously you're not her, the child's biological dad but um in terms of whether you'd actually grow to be able to get on or whether that might cause a friction within your relationship as well with you're not getting on with the child. Absolutely. All of those fears that you've outlined, uh, I felt very deftly. And I, I think um, the biggest fear is, or f the biggest fear that I encountered was not whether or not, um, you know, I would be a good parent to a child because I already knew that, um, you know, I've, I have a, I have a, a very, simplistic attitude towards protection of children and um you know when i when i when i step up to to look after a child whether it's babysitting my little niece or or stepping into a relationship with a pre-existing child from a previous relationship i knew that i would immediately take on the role and do the job properly you know and be a good good dad and a good role model yeah. however um yeah the biggest fears i think would be either rejection of uh from that child i think i was fortunate that when i met the little girl that i raised for a few years she was only 13 months old so she was still very much in the developmental stage of uh not even a toddler you know she was a kind of still a big baby in a lot of ways you know as 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 developed as she may have been you know mentally she was she was still um a, a youngster and 
So I think there's a there's a, a little bit easier when you come into a relationship with a 13 month old than a 13 year old. You know, then you're probably going to encounter a whole different host of of fears that this this child will never accept me as as a role model or as a parent or as someone who loves and cares for them. They'll always question whether that's real because the pheromones don't match up. You know, I think there's a really simplistic thing that when she smells her dad, when he gives her a hug, there's part of her body, her genetic coding that is telling her this person is designed to protect you. Whereas when I held her, did she feel the same thing? Would she feel the same things? But I think that the, you overcome those fears by, um, by really going above and beyond in terms of your relationship with that child. So that is you have to very rapidly utilize the socially acceptable 101 on how to be a parent and, and start applying all those methods. So I started to teach her, I started to engage with her in terms of her learning and her development. Um, her language, the rulemaking in the house, things that she was and wasn't allowed to do that I felt would have, uh, you know, give her the correct skew in terms of her moral compass and her ethics as she grew and developed as a, as a little human. Um, and then obviously, you know, being a comedian like yourself, obviously wanting to connect in a, in a humorous way and make her laugh and make her feel safe and protected and, and like I'm fun to be around. But yeah, you really have to do a lot of work. There's, there's, when you're a biological father, you will always be that. That can never, ever be taken away from you. And as many mistakes as you make, people will always go, yes, but he is that child's father. Whereas with me, you're very much always um, on review. Does that make sense? Mm. Like it's always your, your ability to raise that child is always being questioned by not just the child, or the mother of the child, but also by people in the surrounding community that you exist in. You know, that would be other parents at school and are going, oh, well, I mean, does he really know how to look after her? I mean, he's only been in this child's life for six months. You know, does he, mm. do I trust him to look after my kid? And I understand all of that. Another strange, and I think it's another strange, um, in the same way that I felt I had a biological change when I took on the role of father to this young girl, I had a mental change as well. I don't know if you experienced it, but I became incredibly cynical of everyone's intentions towards that child. And by that, mm. I mean, if uh, if another parent at school, the kids are playing and my little girl, uh, were, you know, ran up to one of the other dads and he popped her on his knee and was talking to her or whatever. In my head, there's a tiny little part of my <laughs> regressive monkey brain just going is this man a pedophile? Like there's <laughs> yeah. something in my head just going, why is he sitting up on his knee? What are his intentions? I'm going to keep a just, very close look. It was Santa look. Claus. That was the thing, wasn't L it? Literally. It was oh, God. <laughs> I mean, so many. There's got to be a lot. There's got to be a lot of pedophile Santa Claus. I'm, let's just say a lot. I don't have the exact facts, but I'm going to say it's pro probably safe to say that 90 to 93% of Santa Clauses up and down the country are probably pedophiles. Let's just go with that. <laughs> but I, <laughs> let's just throw that out as a place. Uh, can, I just do, is... can I just do my admin quickly, Jeff? The How's Your Father podcast in no way suggests that all Santa Clauses are pedophiles, uh, and Jeff Leach's comments are for him and him alone. Uh, sorry, yeah. Jeff, continue. Cheers, mate. Technically, I, I, well, <laughs> I said 90 to 95%. There's 5% of them who are just good guys who just want to spread the Christmas cheer. But yeah, I, I think, but even that, that was a reshaping that, that happened instantaneously for me, mentally, that I had never expected. I never thought I would now question other people's motives around that child simply because now that child felt like she was mine and my family and needed my protection in in this different way you know um 
but it's it's yeah it's it's fraught with fears because you you just want to make sure you do the best job and you also realize that if if mistakes are made it won't fall on the biological parents in any way shape or form it falls on you really because you are a welcome guest in that dynamic um as opposed to I like the, how your child is crying in the background as well. And I, I know. I, I was just seeing right now, how much. Well. Uh, to be fair, we as got a, this far without some <laughs> child crying. So we needed to add in a real, in case there were people listening to this going, have we got proof that going, uh, Johnny he, actually does has he a child? Neglect, does Johnny neglect <laughs> his child? Is, is he or she in another room right now screaming their little heart out? Yeah, but I've hungry. told him it's podcast time. You know what I mean? Like, come on, mate. Nine months old now. You can cook your own food. How does he not get it? Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're looking for a sponsor to help get the How's Your Father podcast to an even bigger audience. Sponsoring the show, as well as a promotional trailer, means that your message and our message will be inserted into some of Acast's biggest podcast titles. Get on board and partner with the How's Your Father podcast. Go to pauldaniels.tv for more information. So, in terms of, uh, we were talking before as well about um, getting that kind of emotional bond as well. So, how did that kind of resolve in the sense that, did you find that, um, whilst obviously you were saying that you were putting lots of effort in to reassure the child, did you find that the love for the child started to come quite naturally and did that surprise you or or was it something that you know it took a long time for you to feel emotionally connected to the child when we started dating myself and this woman um i very much you know uh, cared about her child as an extension of her and i didn't genuinely thought that you know the little girl was a wonderful little girl she was very sparky and cute and adorable and all those nice things but in the same way that when you babysit for your your family members or or you're looking after a friend's kids you know at a sleepover with your kid or whatever you 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 revel in the fact that yes i can enjoy how lovely this kid is and then i get to return them and say goodbye and then i don't have to think about them until the next time i see them whereas obviously that's very different once you're stepping into the role of stepfather or stepmother 
Um, I was surprised how rapidly I um, started to view the little girl as as my own child. But that was due to, I think, two major factors. One, we spent a huge amount of time together, very much straight off the bat. And I think if you're if you're de deadly serious about entering into a relationship with someone who already has a child from a previous relationship, you have uh, two stages to your relationship. The first is very much um, is very much laid on the step. Uh, sorry, the biological parent, which is. I do not, you should not put your child into that other person's life until you have a good sense that morally and ethically that person is on point. Because you don't know what people's intentions are. You don't know how uh, safe you can expect your child to be around a relative stranger. And until you know that person and have developed some kind of emotional connection to them of any serious note, you shouldn't put them in, the, in your child's life. Having said that, once you have accepted that that is the way you feel about that person, and that may lead to wanting to have a, a relationship that goes on for a period of time, whether it be years, a lifetime, or you know whatever, um, I think then you need to very much spend a lot of time together being parents prior to moving in together and actually becoming parents, uh, co-parenting that child. Because until that's started to happen, you have no idea how that person will react and whether they'll embrace and that that role and step up to the plate, like I did, or whether they will you know, run for the hills because they realize it's way too much responsibility. I personally had a very strange um, experience surrounding that because like I say, I was so single, so bachelor lifestyle, so uh, promiscuous and, you know, never, never doing anything bad, but you know, having sex with multiple partners, everyone knew where they stood, you know, it was all very open and honest and, and uh, just being a bit of a party boy. And then I realized that that made me so desperately miserable, that lifestyle and really, um, only fed into my own depression that the only way to counteract that would be to flip completely 180 in terms of how I live my life and what I want to do in my life and actually being a father to someone else's child was the most extreme thing I could have experienced at that time to go from the life of party boy bachelor to I'm now being a father figure to a child that doesn't biologically belong to me so I managed to step into the role quite easily because I needed that change. But I think for um, anyone who's living was living a more normalized life experience prior to getting into a relationship like that, they need to um, they need to be very careful about the way they do it. First of all, make sure your relationship is incredibly strong and has the foundation to exist before you have a relationship with the child. And then once that foundation is there for you two as as partners, then it needs to be very concerned and very, sorry, uh, very concentrated time together with the child to see if that bond can be formed and if that relationship is something that everyone wants, including including the child as well. You know, every, sure. all three people almost need to have a, a quite open dialogue about that and, 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 and experience the is the best way. Yeah, sure. you need to know that you're going to raise your kid the same way. I'm sure you and your wife prior to having a kid had conversations about well you know if we had a child how would you want them to be raised you know what do you think about religion what do you think about the way they should be schooled how do you think about um about disciplining what do you feel about x y and z now obviously you and your wife agreed that you like to beat children severely every time yeah. they open their mouth and and by finding that bond and that common ground you know you're well, you're 
your son well, let's is, be um, honest jeff i mean not, not being funny we had sex one day and then she's waking up saying her stomach hurts you know what i mean funny stomach throwing up sick and next thing i know i'm a dad so you just have to do these things don't you, you have to unbelievable go to <laughs> um, well, let now, me throw the question back at you let me throw the question back at you because i'm sure your listeners are always interested to get more of your take what did you feel you were ready to become a dad prior to becoming a dad? Was that something you were ready for, you were expecting, and you were planning out, or was it a case of you got ready because you had to get ready? Uh, no, very much so. I, I um I was ready, and it was a planned situation, you know, that we had both entered to into at that point. So, well, well uh, done, you know, Johnny. Look at yeah, you doing yeah, it the but, right way. <laughs> but no, but that's why it's so fascinating, your experience, because it also puts a lot more um, em- responsibility and emphasis on that relationship being worth it. Because, you know, you'd like to think that for those people who are, uh, might be listening and maybe um, contemplating getting into a situation with someone who already has a child, that that re- you realise that you're not just making the decision based on the relationship, you're making the decision based on the total package and you are going to go from 0 to 60 very quickly and all of the things, all of your experiences you're sharing are really, really interesting and insightful. I think that's going to be really, you know, it's going to really chime with people that are listening. I, I'll just pull you up on one thing as well because you, what you did really well uh, was um, kind of illuminate the three aspects that you kind of had to deal with, the three relationships, if you like, as a step parent. And that was one with the child, one with the ex, well, the biological um, parent that isn't on the scene and, or as in not part of the relationship. In part of the relationship, yeah. And and the person you are in a relationship with. So I, I, I'm not trying to uh, dig to kind of g- get any towels tailed, but in terms of how you navigated it with the uh, biological parent, um, how did you deal with that situation? I, again, I'm not trying to get you know views on whether no, you that's think fine. That- no, I don't mind talking openly and honestly about it. I don't care. I don't live in that country anymore, and I have no respect for the biological father anyway. So I, <laughs> so I don't afford him any. Um, but I also won't sit here and just slag him off. What I will say is this. She would come back and say things to me. The, the little girl, once she, you know, she could speak and she was talking and talking about the dynamic of the relationship and the parenting situation she was in, she would often come home and she would say things that clearly alluded to the fact that her father, her biological father, would shit talk me and her mother at his home. Yeah, well, mummy did this because she didn't want our relationship to work or or like he's not your dad you know jeff is not your dad he's not he's never going to be your dad i'm your dad i'm your biological father and he he can he can never be a dad to you even stepdad you don't need to have him as a stepdad you already have a dad he do shit like that i think there's two ways you can react to that you can either um make the child unfairly some kind of barrier and 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 a stuck in the middle character in that dynamic which is what he was looking to do. Or you could do what I did and what my partner did uh, at the time, which was only ever talk about him with light and positivity because he is the biological father of that child. I didn't want her, I already knew that I didn't want her to grow up thinking that all the men in her life that she was either related to or meant to be father figures were scumbags. You know, if, if I had started that kind of rhetoric for her, that would have only made her feel less deserving of love from men or respect from men if i start saying well you know your dad only has you every couple of weekends because he doesn't care and he doesn't want to do this or you know your dad doesn't do this like she doesn't need to know any of that she's a child and what she needs to know is that the people who are in her life 
really love and want to protect her. So we would always keep up the dialogue that anytime her father came up, her biological father came up, we would only say positive things around her, about him, which I'm glad we did that. That shows that we sort of, you know, rose above what he was trying to do. Um, on a personal basis, I would have loved to have smashed his head into a window. But I mean, what are you going to do? Like, I don't want to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to become that kind of a person because then as her protector and the, the man who's actually taking her to school every morning on his shoulders and reading her bedtime stories every night and putting band-aids on her knee when she's fallen over and grazed it. If I started to be that kind of a piece of shit, then she would feel that she would think that is how men are meant to be to women and uh, around women. And I, I didn't want that to be the case. And I, I, I would, I would counteract things, you know, I would say, oh, that's what daddy said about stepfather I said okay well I said listen daddy is always going to be your daddy he is your daddy and he loves you very much and and he wants you to be safe and to be fine and I said and also I'm I'm mummy's boyfriend and I love you and I will do everything that daddy can do for you if you want me to do that I will support you I will teach you I will protect you and I said and those are all the things I'm going to do because I love you and because I love mummy I said whether you want to call me a stepdad or Jeff or whatever she actually had a, a nickname for me which came out of her when she was just learning to speak called bully bully which weirdly I, there's a story behind it, it doesn't really matter but <laughs> she called me bully bully so like bully 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 was my nickname and she said well I you're my bully you're my bully bully and I said yeah there you go. I said, that's enough. I'll be your bully bully. That's that's all I want to be to you. And so kids are savvy, man. Their minds are sponges. I think you, um, look, I hope that everyone who's listening who might be thinking of becoming a step parent or has been a step parent is didn't have to experience what I experienced. I hope they just find a relationship with a, a mother or a father with a child from a pre-existing relationship where the other partner is just a decent human being and they can all get along and understand that none of that matters. None of your emotional connections to each other matter at all beyond how that child is treated within that dynamic. Unfortunately, sure. that is not the case in a lot of situations. And if that is uh, the, the case that you experience something like I did, you really have to just be strong enough to rise above that and say, I will not fuck this kid up because... I think, you know, her biological father is a prick. <laughs> really, that's 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 really it. Got yeah, so that was that was the dynamic that we had. And it was a difficult difficult one to navigate. It caused a lot of arguments within um, my relationship with my ex and mm. um, a lot of back and forth. But I mean, put the child first is that is should be the, the, the rule of thumb. Put the child first in every situation. It's an interesting dynamic that not only have you been a stepfather but um you kind of mentioned earlier already that you're no longer in contact with the child anymore so um if you could just talk about how that has kind of played out and how that has affected you having built up that bond with the child and to be put into a situation where you no longer get to have access to that child uh, and Absolutely. whether you know I don't know if it's too much of a difficult question to ask, but whether you feel like you would be able to go into a situation like that again, if you, you know, now you know how that situation's resolved and that you have no longer in that child's life and whether you, you know, whether you could put yourself into a situation like that again, knowing how it's panned out this time. Yeah, that's a great question and uh, and going to be the most miserable question <laughs> of the whole conversation, I think, because... Um, when my partner and I split and we realized that our relationship was not going to work out, um, we, I had a number of conversations with her, 
about how we would navigate me being in that child's life. And um, my ex, my ex's turnaround was her, her, my ex very much decided that she wanted to hurt me in every way she could when we split up. And she realized that the biggest hurt she could possibly put on me was to tell me that I couldn't see or speak to a little girl who I'd been a full-time father to for almost four years. I mean, I was living with them for three years and doing everything a dad would do, feeding, reading stories, putting plasters on knees, taking her to school, being at the parent, you know, the, the kid parent school races. Like I was a full-time dad. So that was um, probably the single most heartbreaking experience of my entire life, not being able to be in the life of a child who I very much felt, whether biologically or not there was any truth to it, very much felt was my little girl. Um, and it took me a year and a half maybe to get over the relationship breakup between me and my partner, but it took me at least three years to stop thinking about the little girl most days. You know, most days I would wake up and just be like, I wonder what she's doing. I wonder if she's okay. You know, and it was, um, yeah, it was really heartbreaking, to be honest, Johnny. Like, ri ridiculously heartbreaking. And um, and f threw me into quite a deep spiral of depression um, that I would never put myself through again. To, to, to succinctly answer your question, I would never date a single mum ever again. And the reason for that is I could not, allow myself to love and care for another human being outside of there's there's a difference between intimacy and relationships and uh, a platonic or parental relationship when you're intimate with someone a lover if you break up with them it hurts you'll go through a period of depression or sadness you may feel emotionally vulnerable but over time you know you will be able to definitely replace that experience with another one hopefully down the line and by that, I mean, you will eventually be intimate with other people. You will eventually build relationships and, 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 and loving sexual relationships with someone else down the line. And that will be replaced. And, you, and time is a great healer in that sense. With a kid, obviously, there was nothing beyond the platonic bond of a parent and a child there, which is impossible to replace. I do this in my stand-up. I talk about the fact that if you want to have a breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you go and have a rebound, you know, six months, a year, whatever, two years down the line, you'll go out with your friends, you can have a few drinks, have a couple of beers at the bar, hit the dance floor, go home, have sex with someone else. Do you know what I mean? But there is no rebound for missing a four and a half year old, five year old child that you loved as your own. Like, I can't start hanging around outside nurseries at four in the afternoon <laughs> with a copy of Frozen on DVD and a comfort blanket. Like, who needs a daddy? Like, you can't do that because that will get you arrested, John. Um, <laughs> but seriously, there, there is no rebound. And you have to, if you're thinking about going into a relationship with someone with a child from a previous relationship, I would say, actually, um, slow and steady is the right way to build that relationship you know build the foundation with the partner first understand that that is a relationship that is really going to endure and then when you start spending time with the child and it's you know hopefully seamlessly involving yourself in a child's life as a positive influence and as a parental figure do that with uh, care and consideration because um, it's, it's the most heartbreaking thing in the world to call someone, you know, you're, you're, you're my child. You're my child. I love you. I might not be your biological father, but I'm, you're my everything. 
and then suddenly you're told by an embittered ex-partner that, oh yeah, and by the way, you can't see or speak to her. She's not yours. It's like, it's not about her being mine. It's about not wanting her to grow up thinking that the two men that are meant to care about her most in her life have both just disappeared effectively. <laughs> you know, that's what really killed me about it. But I also, I wonder, you know, I also still wonder, and there's a little, there's a little part of me that very romantically hopes that one day in the future I'll get an, an email or a, or a Facebook message from someone, her name, and she'll say, hey, this is me and, you know, I'm a, I'm a teenager now and I, I, I sort of remember that you were part of my life and were a father. I, you know, hi, how are you? Maybe she'll reach out. And if she did, I would not say anything about the relationship I had with her mother. I wouldn't look at that anything. I just let her know which is all I wanted to do once we split. I just let her know I've never stopped thinking about you and I, I, I'm proud of the woman you will have become and if you ever need anything or any protection or anything, let me know. You know, mm -hmm. I just, that's all I wanted. I wanted this little girl to grow up going, this man loves me and will continue to love me and I am deserving of love from the men who, who profess to believe, to feel that towards me. I had Christmas presents sent back to me which was ridiculous. You know, I sent Christmas presents every year and I sent letters. I tried emailing every year for the first three years, I would email the mother and just say, look, it's been a period of time. I'm hoping that you've moved on from our past. I'm hoping that you, time has been a great healer for you to not feel so much frustration or upset or anger that we split. I just, I'll write a letter. You can read the parts you want to read. You can ignore the parts you don't want to read to her. But like, you know, all of that stuff got sent back to me. It got met with um, a carpet blanket. No, it's all right. I bought her a rabbit. That was the first email I got. I bought her a rabbit when you moved out, so she doesn't need you. Unfortunately, you have no say in it if you're not the biological parent. So, Jeff, when we're discussing experiences, there'll be points of advice that naturally pop up anyway, but there's always a part, a little feature at the end of the pod, uh, which is reserved for advice to be given to all the dads that are listening out there, and a little feature that I call, get your tips out for the dads, okay? Now, if you'll excuse oh, me to actually sing the song as well. God, I've missed, I've missed out, British get comedy. Your I've tips British out, comedy. Get your tips out for the dads. Jeff Leach. Do you have any tips for our dad audience out there? Yeah, I have tips for um, I have tips for the for the perhaps would be dads and the about to be dads. First of all, you're never ready for any of those experiences um, until they come around, and you will be thrust into it. But you will, if you if you allow yourself to be open to the 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 prospect of becoming a new father, whether the child is biologically yours or not, the more energy you thrust into that experience the more love and attention and detail that you focus on that experience, the you will receive that tenfold from that child. It's amazing. Ch children just want to be protected and loved. And if you can offer that straight off the bat, then you will get that back. Also, I would say if you're about to become a father to someone else's child, um, be incredibly certain that the foundation of your pre-existing relationship with that partner is strong enough and enduring enough that you will not have to face the misery of losing a child down the line um, because you, you know you're not going to have any rights there um, and finally make sure you like carry the child to school in a different arm every day on the shoulders because it's the best workout you'll ever get <laughs> dad muscles 
Fantastic. Um, Jeff Leach, you have been a wonderful guest on the How Your Father podcast. If our listeners have enjoyed you, how could they not? Uh, can you let us know where they might be able to find you so they can see and interact with you more? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, right now I'm re- uh, recording a couple of different TV shows that will be coming out at the beginning of next year. So the best way to hear about updates on what those are and when they're going to be dropping will be on social media, at Jeff Leach on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I broadcast six days a week uh, live gaming content. I'm, I'm currently playing the character of Ghost in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um, amongst other characters in various other video games. So if you if you want to check that out and if you want to play some games with Ghost, check out facebook.gaming slash jeffleachcomedian. Um, and outside of that, I have a podcast called the Savage Snowflake Podcast, picking it apart all of the world's uh, various social climate, political and personal views with various comedians such as, you know, Seth Green and Brian Callen and on all good podcasting sites, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play and iTunes. Savage Snowflake. Thanks. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Jeff Leach. Produced by Paul Daniels at pauldaniels.tv. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.